Hear the words of our God. I know the plans I have for you. Says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Our world is all too familiar with the dark words of despair. But we are not alone, for God has remembered us. We are not alone, for God has cared for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? In a world that looks with suspicion on just about anything, in a world that does not believe anything that it cannot touch or see, we have lit a candle promised. In a world that is filled with the darkness of fear and intolerance and misunderstanding, we have lit a candle called light. In a world that finds bigger and better ways to hate each other, we have lit a candle called love. But sometimes it all seems so silly. But God, we are waiting for you to come into our lives to turn our silliness into your wisdom. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.
try that again. Good morning, everyone. There it is. Helps me to unmute, doesn't it? Uh, glad to see everyone here. We have a little different look today, don't we? Uh, we are in the round. We've done this once before during Advent, and our, our thought is that we are lighting our Advent candle. Um, which leading up to the birth of Christ, and we want that to be the center of everything that we do. And so we have our Advent candle in the center of all of us instead of it at one end of the, uh, of the, of the sanctuary. It's right here, right in the center of us. And that's what, that's what we're trying to, um, in a visual way, uh, make that a reality in our lives, that, that Christ is always the center of, of our lives, and especially as we prepare for the birth of Christ. Welcome on this first Sunday of Advent as we begin this preparation time. We're glad that you are here today, and we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. And uh, if you're a first-time guest today, we'd like for you to uh, drop by our hospitality table after the the worship service, we have a little gift that we'd like to give to you um, in, in, uh, in giving you thanks for being with us today. You know, it's always the good, good to be in God's house with God's people. You know, God's people are kind of special, aren't they? Aren't we? <laughs> God's people are special, and, um, and, and it's good to be in God's house because there's a lot of love here, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of joy that is brought to us simply by being together. And so let me invite you to share that love and share that joy by standing and greeting each other in the name of the Lord. Let's stand and greet each other. Okay, as you are taking your seat, I want to, I'd like to invite all of our children to come forward. Miss Nora is going to have our children's moment. So, children, if you could come right here. Uh, I know it's kind of unusual. You don't know where to go. But uh, come right here, and uh, we'll have our children's moment this morning. I know that I had him on Tuesday night. He's one of my people on Tuesday night. Hi, Lexi. How are you? Come on. <laughs> How are y'all this morning? Good. Let me. What if um, I said um, I've got a surprise for you, and we're going swimming right now? Do y'all are you ready for it? Do you have your bathe? What would you need? What do you? Are we going to go in our church clothes? 
What would we need? Bathing suit, goggles, sunscreen, yes, we would, we would, that's good. Because you know what happens if you don't have, have sunscreen? What happens? All right, I also dug in my cabinet today and found this at home. Do you know what this is? It is. It is a smoke detector. Um, it doesn't go off, thank goodness, but it, uh, it is put up so that in case the house catches on fire, it will alarm the house, the, everyone in the house with a loud noise so that you will know that um, there is danger and you need to get out. But you know how it's operated? You know what makes it work? A battery, Yes. And, you know, batteries have a tendency to run out. So once a year, whether I use this or not, on a certain day we replace the battery. So I make sure it's working. Good. All right. Now, it's been a busy weekend. Did y'all do anything exciting on Thursday? Did you? Did you eat a lot of food? Did you go? Yeah. Well, you went two places? How awesome is that? How awesome is that? You, went, you came and played with your cousins, didn't you? Well, I had, I, had to make a, I had people come to my home and eat. And before they got there, though, I had to make a list of everyone that was coming. And I totaled it up, and we had 26 people show up. Then I had to figure out how I was going to sit everybody. I set a long table in my in the kitchen, and we got we came here and borrowed the tables and got chairs and set them all up. Then I had to write down what we were going to be eating, because then I had to write out a grocery list and send my husband to the grocery store to buy everything. <laughs> and you know, I had to really write it out so that he wouldn't. Go off of the list. Yes, sometimes he has a tendency to not buy exactly what's on that list. And sometimes, well, you know what happened? Do you know what happened on Thursday? All these people showed up. All this food was laid out and ate. But two people showed up that I wasn't planning on. So I had 28. And you know what else I didn't have on this list? Deviled eggs. And somebody knew, somebody knew I didn't have deviled eggs. But you know what? All 28 of these people ate all of this food and they left home happy. They left and went on their way. Do you know what we are waiting on? We're waiting on Christmas. We know what day it is. We know what day Thanksgiving is and we know how to be prepared for it. Yes, but do you know we're waiting on him to return? Do you know what day he's coming back? Me either. I don't have any idea. But you know what I want to do while I'm waiting? is to prepare for him to return. So I might be a good Girl Scout or a good Boy Scout and use the motto of being prepared. And they study and earn badges on how to do things to be prepared. So as we live out our days, how can we work on being prepared for his return? 
What do we do at the end of our devotion at Upward? Before you go back and play, do we bow our head? We pray. Yes. Prayer every day, being still and taking time, helps us to prepare for his return. So, you can work on lists, you can study, you can uh, invite all the people you want, but I want you to spend the rest of your days being prepared for the coming. Thank you. Amen. You may go back.
Matthew 25, verses 1 through 3. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamp and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout. Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour.
descend on us today. We thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. For this place, we learn more about you. We feel you, Father, in this place today. We ask you to be with Brother Tim as he brings us a message today, Father. Go with us through this service, and we go out from this service, Father, that we spread the good news, Father. Bless these tithes and offerings, and forgive us for we fail thee. In your name we pray. Amen. y'all for letting me come today and happy belated Thanksgiving and in in the thoughts of that I'd like to tell you about a place this morning that uh, I think will be truly truly awesome when we get to see it
stood there all alone. His face was like the sun. His eyes were like the sea. His voice was like the thunder rolling through eternity. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for your talent and for sharing your talent with us. What a wonderful, wonderful message there. Thank you so much. Back in uh, 1985, Susan and I uh, wrote out the wind and the rain of Hurricane Bob, which came through uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we were uh, on vacation. Uh, Meanwhile, There was another man who lived nearby, near uh, Myrtle Beach. His name was J.R., who thought he was well prepared for this terrible storm that was coming through. I mean, after all, Hurricane Bob was barely a hurricane, and he had seen much worse. But the storm was bad enough to, to knock out the power, but that didn't faze him at all. You see, he simply fired up some oil lamps and put them around to to light the way in his house. 
And he placed a Coleman camping stove on top of his electric range so that he could cook his dinner that night. So what if he didn't have any electricity? He was all taken care of. He was able to enjoy a, a delicious meal thanks to his Coleman stove. And, and so he commended himself on his foresight and he went on to bed secure in the knowledge that Mother Nature could not beat him. Meanwhile, diligent linemen were working hard to restore the power outside. And, and before the sun came up, all of the appliances in J.R.'s house were working including his electric range. You know, the one with the Coleman stove on top of it. It seems that J.R. had forgotten that he had been using the electric range when the power went out. And, and, and since there was no power, he didn't think about turning off the burner that he had been using. And so you probably already guessed what happened. The power came on. The burner on the electric stove came on, and the Coleman stove, sitting on top of the range, went off, literally. The stove's gas canister exploded, blowing the kitchen wall off of its foundation, snapping several floor joists, and, and smashing every window in the house. Fortunately, uh, J.R. had closed his bedroom door, and he was not injured. Now... Can someone tell me the scout motto? Be prepared. We were already given a little uh, advance warning on that a little while ago, weren't we? Be prepared. And, and in this case, it should be be thoroughly prepared. <laughs> if you skip one little detail, you can be in real trouble. I heard about another guy um, in uh, Vancouver, a carpenter, 36-year-old carpenter, in Vancouver, British Columbia, named William. And he will testify to the importance of being thoroughly prepared. You see, William had hopes of becoming a movie stuntman. And he knew that a lot of people from the movie industry were coming to Vancouver for the Vancouver Film Festival. And so he decided to, to try to catch their attention by bungee jumping off of the Vancouver Lionsgate Bridge. He could, he could see himself gracefully descending to the deck of a passing cruise ship and then disengaging himself from the bungee cable as, as smoothly as, as James Bond to the awe of all of the passengers on the cruise ship. And he thought that by doing this, the word would get out and movie producers would, would uh, marvel at his work and, and clamor over who would hire him first for their next film. Well, William planned this stunt for over two years, checking the height of the tides and the boat schedules and the deck layouts and all of these things. He even lined up sponsors and, and recruited some, some uh, assistants. And the stunt began perfect, perfectly. William took a swan dive off of the bridge, trailing his bungee rope behind him. And, and it, he felt it grow taut as it stretched and began to slow his descent. The tennis court of the cruise ship was, was, near him, was below him and it drew nearer and nearer and nearer. But somehow William had miscalculated the length of the bungee cord. And so he slammed into the tennis court, hurtled into a, a, a volleyball net, 
and then bounced against the deck railing and found himself flying up once again into the air, watching the cruise ship sail away beneath him. Don't worry, William survived, but he failed to make his James Bond-like entrance, and he is still waiting to hear from the movie producers. You know, the scout motto is a, a good motto to live by. Be prepared. Be thoroughly prepared. And that's always been the case. It's always been the case that it's important to be prepared. Even Jesus knew that this was true way back in Jesus' day. In fact, Jesus told a parable about the, the kingdom of God concerning some, some young women who were a part of a wedding party. He said ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom, but only five of them brought enough oil to refill their lamps. And so when the bridegroom was delayed in coming, these five bridesmaids ran out of oil, and they had to go out and buy some more. Well, the bridegroom came while they were out buying more, more oil, and the bridesmaids who were prepared went in with the bridegroom into the wedding feast. But when the other five who had gone out to buy more oil came back, they found that the door to the wedding feast had been locked. They had missed the feast because they were not prepared. Therefore, keep watch, says the master, because you do not know the day or the hour. In other words, it always pays to be prepared. Now, I don't, think I, I don't think I have to tell you that life is full of the unexpected. The fact is that sometimes, no matter how carefully we may try to plan our lives, life has a tendency to sneak up behind us and smack us in the head. It does it all the time. In one of Bill Watterson's cartoons, Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin comes into the living room one day, dressed in, a, in a, a large space helmet, and he has a cape on, a long cape. He has a flashlight in one hand and a baseball bat in his other hand. So his mother asked him, what's up today, Calvin, or what's up today? And Calvin said, nothing so far. And she asked, so far? And Calvin replied, well, you never know. Something could happen today. Calvin leaves. And his mother starts to think about Calvin's helmet and his cape and his flashlight and his baseball bat. And the final caption shows her saying to herself, I think I need a suit like that. You know, we all need a suit like that, don't we? Because, you see, we never know what's going to happen. Life sends us curveballs all the time. And, and sometimes we call these learning experiences, don't we? And we might can learn something from these things, but that, that, that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt us. Sometimes we take our lumps in the process of learning from them. But that's just the way life is. Life is full of the unexpected. And, and none of us is totally prepared for any of it. But it's important for us to do what we can to be ready for whatever. You see, we live in a very fragile world, and the unexpected can happen at any moment. An automobile accident can leave someone that we love 
permanently injured or even dead. A friend who appears to be the the picture of health may suddenly suffer from a major heart attack or a stroke, and, and we wonder, could I be next? Life is fragile. Families are fragile. Relationships are fragile. Job security is fragile. And there are no guarantees for success or for for happiness for any of us. And so we need to be prepared for whatever life may send our way. Keep watch, said Jesus, because you do not know the day or the hour. And folks, I I certainly don't think that we are prepared for the fulfillment of of Christ's kingdom here on earth. And that's basically what our lesson is about today. Christ's coming to fulfill His kingdom among us. We see glimmers of it from time to time in the things that we do. We see a foretaste or a foreshadowing of Christ's kingdom when, when God's people truly live their lives according to the way that Jesus taught us to live. But it's not here yet. Not in, its, in all of its fullness. And the fact is that we have no idea when it may come. According to that preacher out in California that we heard about this past year, Harold Camping, the judgment day was supposed to be back in May. You remember that? And then he missed it. When, he didn't, when it didn't happen in May, he said it would happen in August. Well, guess what? It didn't happen then either. And when he missed it then, when it didn't happen then and he missed it then, he said, oops, I don't know when it's going to happen. And then he retired. But he left a lot of damage in his wake. But you see, a lot of people, a lot of his followers gave up their jobs, gave up their lives, actually sold their homes and sold all of their possessions to scatter out across the world trying to convince people that the judgment day was right around the corner. And then they missed it. Of course, we knew they would because Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour. And there are other theories. According to another source, the, the end of the world as we know it will come next December, a, a, year ago, a year from now in December of next year when the Mayan calendar runs out. <laughs> You've heard that before. And there are all kinds of theories as to when this time will come. There are, there, there are people who call themselves the premillennialists and the postmillennialists and the amillennialists. But as I've, I've told some of you many times before, I'm a panmillennialist, a panmillennialist. I believe everything's going to pan out in the end. Fact is, I can't tell you when it's going to happen. I can't tell you when it's going to come. And honestly, it doesn't matter. It may come today. It may come a thousand years or more from now. But the point is not when it comes. The point is that we need to be constantly vigilant in our lives so that we are ready whenever it does come. And how do we do that? We do that by following the teachings of Jesus. By following the teachings of Jesus.
I heard about one man who was prepared, at least in one respect. His name was Jan Christian Smoots. Smoots was a, a statesman um, in the early days of the Republic of South Africa. And when Smoots was, was about to retire, a, a French journalist approached him to ask about writing his life story. And Smoots agreed. Well, at the first interview, Smoots looked at the journalist and, and, and took him into his office, into his library there, and said, here's my library, here are my files, here are my records, here's my, my diary. It's all there for you to examine. And the journalist said, sir, you don't really mean that I can, I can go through all of your records, do you? Surely you have some secrets. And Smoots replied, no, there are no secrets, no secrets. And let me ask you something. Wouldn't it be pretty wonderful if you and I could say that about our lives? That there's no secrets. We'd all sleep a lot better at night, wouldn't we? <laughs> If we lived a life in which there was no need for any secrets, we would have happier, healthier marriages and healthier hearts and healthier lives if, if only we could say along with Jan Christian Smoots, there are no secrets. But of course, there will be a time when all secrets will be revealed. Peter Greystone recalls a conversation that he had with a friend of his on a subway when he was 16 years old. He and a friend were, <clears throat> were bored as they were traveling along in the subway. And, and so they started whispering to one another about the other passengers on, on the subway. They were trying to guess what each person did based solely on what they looked like, on their appearance. But as the train drew into a station, a, a middle-aged woman on the other end of the car walked the whole length of the car and came directly to where they were sitting and said, you're wrong. She said, I actually teach children who are deaf how to lip read. <laughs> they learned the lesson in a hurry there, didn't they? They thought that no one would guess what they were up to. But this one woman knew. She knew. She read lips. So you better be careful who's listening, even if they're not within the sound of your voice. Because, my friends, there will come a time when all secrets are revealed. But, of course, there is one before whom no secrets are ever hidden. And that, of course, is God. And so the question is, are you prepared to give an account to the one who knows everything, even the innermost secrets of your heart? Be prepared. Watch. Be ready. Life is fragile, and ultimately there are no secrets, but I think that as we consider this topic of waiting and watching, there's one more thing that's important for us to consider this morning, and, and here it is. We need to be positive. 
in our anticipation. Very soon, if they haven't already, our our children will be waiting and watching with great anticipation for the coming of Santa Claus. And that's very important in their lives. Y'all ready? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) These kids aren't waiting with fear and dread for Santa Claus to come. They're waiting with joy and eagerness. And that's the way we Christians should be looking forward to the coming of Christ's kingdom. But unfortunately, there there are so many Christians who look forward or look toward the future with with dread and, and, and foreboding. And there's so much silliness out there and so many scare tactics surrounding modern portrayals of, of the coming of Christ. It becomes hard to take any of them very seriously. Many of the books and the movies that purport the, the return of Christ are, are clearly intended to, to scare us into repentance. And we do need to repent. We do need to clean up our lives in preparation for the coming of Jesus. But the coming of the Lord, whether it's at Christmas time or at Christ's return, it ought to be something that Christians look forward to, not be afraid of. We ought to, we ought to be like little children whose, whose father loves them so very, very much, but they've gone on a, a long business trip and, and now they can't wait for their daddy to come home. And so we wait, not with fear, but with faith. And the point is to be prepared. Be prepared so that if, God forbid, you drop dead at this very moment, you wouldn't have anything to be sorry for. You would have nothing to apologize for. Be prepared so that if you were offered the biggest promotion in your life, you would be ready to step into your new role right away. Be prepared so that if some tragedy enters into your life, you would be able to ride out the storm because your prayer life is rich and because you know that you have a friend friend standing beside you to see you through it. Be prepared for whatever life may send us because we don't know what that may be. Harold Ivan Smith, in his book, No Fear of Trying, tells a story about how battleships from from World War II, like the Iowa and New Jersey and the Wisconsin, were put into mothballs. These ships were weighing 58,000 tons With 17 inches of steel armor and superior speed helped America win that war, World War II. But in an era of of the modern Navy, they they were considered to be outdated, and so they were dry docked. And as the, the boilers cooled, the network of hundreds of miles of pipes were drained. All of the flammable fluids and liquids and fuel were siphoned out. Motors were cleaned, pumps were filled with uh, uh, preservation chemicals, and all openings were covered with sealants to prevent moisture from getting in. Winches and other machinery uh, and anything with moving parts were covered in an airtight igloo. Dehumidifiers were installed, and, and, and some critics 
said all throughout these years that it was a waste of money. It would have been a whole lot cheaper just to sink them rather than preserve them. For 25 years, these mothballed relics were monitored by the U.S. Navy's uh, ship maintenance facility. But then President Reagan, in his administration, called for an immediate increase in the size of the Navy. And the ships were recommissioned. Immediately, these ships that had been dry docked for more than 25 years had to be made seaworthy. But listen to this. The specialists who had been looking after them all of this time knew what they were doing. When senior staff went aboard the, the Iowa, they said that it was like it was, it was like the ship's crew had just taken a, a, a weekend leave. It was that it was that good. Duty schedules posted 25 years earlier had not even yellowed in the dark, cool air that they had been sitting in. These ships were ready to go about their business after sitting and doing nothing, waiting for 25 years. So let me ask you something. Are you that prepared for both the challenges and the opportunities that life brings to you. Are you that ready? Are you ready to stand before God and to give an account of your life? That's what we're called on to do today. To be ready. To prepare. That's what Advent is all about. It's a time of preparation for the coming of Christ. And it's a time for us to, to think about the return of Christ and the kingdom that Christ brings and what that means to our lives. It's a time for us to prepare ourselves. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. Be prepared for the coming of the Lord. It's the smart thing to do. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Arise, your light is come. It's number 83. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Christ. If you've never done that before, we invite you to Join the ranks of those who are waiting for his return and knowing that Christ is with us and is there to help us to prepare our lives for his coming. If there's someone who is looking for a church to be a part of, we, in, we invite you to unite with our church today as we sing our hymn of invitation. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and we'll pray. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, would you come? Would you respond to the work of God's Holy Spirit in your life as we sing together? Would you come?
thank you so much for your presence with us today. It's good to, to be in God's house with God's people again. Just a few announcements I'd like to bring to your attention. Um, first of all, our upward season is over. It, uh, we ended our upward season yesterday, and it was, it was a wonderful season, a really great season. Um, and and I'm, I'm very pleased and I'm thankful for all the people who put so many hours into making it a success. So thank you to everybody for doing that. Uh, but we're not quite done yet because we will be having our award ceremony tomorrow night at 6 o'clock at uh, South Middle School. And uh, so if you would like to come out and be a part of that, we invite you. You do not have to have been involved with Upward all this season to enjoy this. Uh, come on out and enjoy the time together. Uh, the program will be Thomas Rudebeck. Uh, he, is a, he is a magician. And, um, and we always have a great time. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great inspiration as well. So come on out to South Middle School tomorrow at 6, and, and we'll share that time. Also, um, we have our Harvest Challenge uh, that we have going on, the men against the women, bringing in foods of, of uh, particular items each week in, um, that we will be giving to the uh, Henderson Christian Outreach. And I was handed this tally. Of course, I was handed this tally by a woman. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why she gets to count. Anyway, and, and, and it's a little suspicious because uh, she's marked through numbers and, and corrected them. But anyway, she says here that, uh, that this week... The items that we have been brought in, the men have brought in 96 items and the women 123. And the total for <laughs> the total for the three weeks is men 166 and the women 320 something. <laughs> and of course the uh, the the winners will will be the the recipients of a nice Valentine's meal at the behest of the losers, uh, guys. I know we won this competition last week or last year, but we're way behind. So here's your we got one more week, one more week, and next week we're supposed to be bringing applesauce, toilet tissue, and dishwashing liquid. Okay. <laughs> also, just a couple more things. We will be having deacon election next week. And, and so if you do not want to be considered uh, for the office of deacon, please call the church office to uh, get your name taken off of the, the roll. Uh, so we won't be wasting any votes. And one more thing. One more thing. Last week was a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, I, I think we, we had... Thanksgiving together around the tables. We had the culmination of our, our um, capital campaign. We're still receiving some, some funds from our capital campaign or for our capital campaign. We had a great concert with uh, Kate Campbell here. But I need to thank you so very, very much. You have come through in a huge way towards our capital campaign. As of now, we have received a little more than $27,000 towards that type of campaign. That's, that's all for you, and that will save us about $44,000 over the life of the loan. So 
So your generosity is an inspiration uh, to me. Thank you so much for that. Let us bow for our, our benediction. We have listened to the word of God, O Lord. We have renewed our hope in God and we have remembered our covenant with God. So go forth into the week now in the light of God's grace and love. Amen.